0: Tongue teeth in the lips. hello and welcome to another episode of the noise podcast sponsored by stereo brain records today me and jack will be discussing alongside kenobi for some reason um, the new Grey Days record, Phoenix, featuring vocal takes from Chester Bennington from before Linkin Park. Really exciting release for Linkin Park fans, and we really get into that and d- deep dive into the context, what it means, and how good it is. Make sure you follow us at Noise Podcast and at Noise UK. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and listen to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, all the rest of it. We are at Noise UK on YouTube as well, and that's it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the noise podcast I'm once again here with Jack and I'd like to start by saying thank you for once again listening to everybody um, everything we've put together over the last few weeks Um, and we're going to dive into that we're going to be talking about grey days but first but first Jack how are you? I'm good thank you Sam how are you? Yeah not too bad not too bad I've avoided the introduction I didn't want to either offend you or massage your ego (laughs) just going to keep it neutral for now see how things go if we can how we're doing for everyone everyone seems to know who you are now including myself i don't need to repeat it we'll just run the credits alongside your face
1: do you know what i find a little bit sad nowadays is that because you're introducing the podcast we don't get to introduce you as mr cynical
0: no no um yeah yeah but like five minutes into any conversation that i have that that is already abundantly clear isn't it let's be fair i mean true
1: but it just makes my shirt, my T-shirt design that i put on Twitter a little bit, you know. We need to make more of a thing of that. Do I need to introduce myself as Mr. Cynical? doesn't have the same effect, does it? It
0: doesn't, does it? No, I, I don't like that really initially. I think I feel like nicknames need to be given by other people and never repeated yourself. I mean, like, I just feel that like that's the way forward with that. Like, it just needs to stick externally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. Okay, well, okay. we'll figure... We'll figure something out. We'll find we'll find some way um, to work an insult towards me in the first 30 seconds of any podcast. Don't worry, I'm perfectly capable of doing it myself, given the opportunity. Um, so we're going to talk about um, Grey Days in a little bit. Um, but before we get to that, there was a certain event, a media event, um, that's taken place over the last few days. Now, just a little bit of context. Myself and Jack um, are big, big Star Wars fans and big uh, I don't know how to explain it, big multiverse fans. Is that fair? Is that the way to, that's the adequate way of describing it? You know, you superhero nerd culture stuff. You greater than me, you more, more so than me. I, I dip in and out, I dip out of the peripheral films, but I, I sort of follow along the mainline stuff. Um, whereas you're sort of a bit, more, a bit more clued in. And obviously, the Star Wars series Kenobi, which is running as a should we call it a prequel? to the more modern no it's a, pre- it's a prequel to, it's a prequel to the first trilogy is that right is that the exact accurate way of describing yeah. it yeah
1: I mean it's, it's a fill in isn't it you know it's between <laughs> the uh, the prequels and the originals mm. um, it's kind. Of, it's probably the most it, it follows directly on from the prequels so it's kind of yeah it just sits in that gap
0: yeah nice little segue in between and um, the first three episodes have dropped as of recording I've only watched the first two you've watched all three and when i asked you how the third one was you put your fist in your mouth and groaned so i'm assuming the third <laughs> one's good um <laughs> um so first off Jack, you're a massive star wars fan um you've watched all the um, watched all the films all the side stuff you're a big fan of that like sort of followed all the disney plus stuff all the all the cartoon the animated series where does this sit for you as a star wars media product
1: yeah i love it i mean i'll put is this the? This could be the spoiler warning. So I mean, if you. Oh I'll yeah, try, we'll yeah. try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible, and I'll try and remember not to go to episode three. It's. I, I mean, it's it's special. I mean, there's there's whether you like all of it, there'll be takeaways for every kind of fan. Whether you're a surface level fan, whether you're someone that likes you know more of the in depth stuff, they've obviously dropped the usual sort of Easter eggs in. So it's like there's something there for everyone. I think. I mean, it was such it. <laughs> It's a it's a bold move recording this series because there's there's such a huge amount to try and bite off um, and to please everyone. There was a few things in the first two episodes that were laughable, um, but the story's been for me it's amazing. Like I, I the the prequels for me, I've always I've always been massive on the prequels and they get so much hate. And I'm 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 in the camp of no prequels were me. Growing up, that's my Star Wars. Um, I love it I love that the Jedi spin around I don't you know it, you know I I loved every single I even loved the fucking politics in episode two I was just so because bear in mind like young me was like playing Battlefront uh, or playing with Star Wars figures with my cousin or like it was just all encompassing around those films so like there's not a lot of wrong that these could do. It's the only, you know? the only Star Wars fan on the planet is like pro trade conversation. Just that's the
0: you've got to be the, you've got to be on a lonely island with that. Are You also pro Anakin slicing pear in half. Is that is that like effective for you as well? I mean, I'll
1: t- I mean, you know, at the time it was the most beautiful love story I knew. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, not a ringing yeah. endorsement for your childhood, really, growing up, but like. we'll just we'll just move on from that fair play um okay so i have i have some thoughts i watched the first two watched them back to back last friday and i enjoyed it obviously visually just stunning i mean that's a given at this point um we've stopped talking about graphics in games and we've stopped talking about visuals in tv shows for the last five years just that discourse has died now there's like an expectation that just everything is just beautiful it is um thoroughly enjoyed the um montage at the beginning that kind of covered the yes, kenobi so story just really into that thoroughly enjoyed the uh pov jedi and younglings trying to escape from the temple just getting murked off like nice like alternate not not the actual murking necessarily but the angles <laughs> yeah. of the murking um am yeah I'm not, I'm not i'm not words. i'm not pro empire like <laughs> let's just I don't want to get cancelled over here. Like, I'm anti fascism. Like, that's, that's, that's all, that's all where I'm sitting. Um, but like, I was, I liked the idea of dropping you into a very well known scene, but from an angle you'd never seen with a Jedi that you're not like familiar with, that type of stuff. Yeah, it, ans- it answered a few sort of, I oh, wonder what the escape plan looked like, you know, because you want to see it from a few sort of brief scenes of the Order 66 came out. Big fan of that. However, I felt that, um, that they did dip a little bit into the Star Wars cliche bag in terms of some of the character selection and some of the dialogue. Um, so I felt like um, going down the um, neo-Nazi style uniform, one very, very English, bald cyborg guy and very angry pseudo-Jedi with something to prove His classic kind of Star Wars cliche a little bit for me. Um, kind of felt like, and I forgot the name, you'll remind me, the name of the blonde officer in the most recent films at the start who dies within the first 10 minutes of the second movie. You know the one I am about? She's like Kylo Ren's captain in the first of the more modern ones. You know what I'm talking about? She's Uh, like short... Phasma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The
1: attempt at... Yeah, yeah, I
0: know. So it kind of felt like, all right, I've heard this storyline before. I've seen this type of character before. Um, The whole rash Sith. Esque character that needs to be held back and can't control her anger and that type of stuff i did feel that 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 kind of just felt like you've you've not really delved into the bag of tricks that you could have gone with um i felt that like some of the dialogue was a little tired I- i'm gonna go with that there was a, there was a scene with ob uh and owen and he says thank you and i actually said out loud as owen says i didn't do it for you um because it was just Obvious and like the conversation between the guy who's a Jedi wandering in the desert and I'll be on the pseudo camel thing. I thought that was very sort of predictable in the whole I'm not a Jedi anymore, none of this matters. In the same way that Luke and Yoda's conversations mirrored that in the first trilogy, and there was a lot of stuff that I felt all right, this not necessarily tired, but I felt like this is old ground that you're retreading for the purpose of the narrative. That being said, um. Also, like, enjoyed Obi-Wan Kenobi finding out a decade later that Anakin is still alive. However, very confused how he would have avoided that news entirely in a modern world where there are, like, holographs and the Empire's been very prevalent for, like, you know, a decade since. feel very surprising that he just wouldn't have known. No one would have dropped him an email and be like, yo, and he's knocking around. <laughs> and, like, just I just feel that very strange that he just would have completely missed that news entirely. But also it goes with the whole accepting that he's a hermit, And he's just cut himself away from reality. I just feel like if he's able to to find um, Luke's little village all the time and just sort of navigate that, I feel like he would have known about some of the other stuff as well. I just feel like, I don't know, there was a couple of inconsistencies there. But I think overall, it was really, really enjoyable. Clearly building towards like an Anakin hunting Obi-Wan through a desert in some kind of way, like he's hiding in holes and Darth Vader's knocking around. Also hinting at like peak, angry, vengeful Darth Vader massacring some collection of poor clueless rebel fighters in a city somewhere clearly looking forward to that um they've got to build to some kind of re-conflict in some kind of lightsaber duel kind of way they've teased that with the duel of fates on the trailer i've got lots of excitement going forward i just feel like i don't know um some of the some of the artistic decisions left me a little bit hanging out to dry a little bit where do you sit with that and As you answer that question, you can hint if episode three will make me feel better about those things, um, while also not telling me directly what happens in them.
1: Yeah, I first, firstly, bit of nerd knowledge for you here that animal he's riding is called an EOP, and uh, okay, I can't remember remember the name of it. As, like, a specific, like, as if, like, the name of a pet, yeah, yeah, as yeah. A real name. I mean, this is what's sick, right? Like, if you're so, like, I've played through some of the games as well, and you were talking about some of the Inquisitor characters. Mm. If you've watched Rebels, Clone Wars, which is where they're basing a lot of some of the extra bits they're putting in, and I'll admit that I haven't, I've been told to, I've been sent to the, the list, yeah, right. I haven't done it yet, so I'm sorry. Just no, I mean, it, I think, and it's funny because I think <clears throat> when you talk about some of that dialogue I think they have to kind of pitch it at the lowest level you know they have to pitch this as a series or uh, yes. like okay if this is someone just coming in and for some reason they've lived in a cave and haven't watched the prequels or the sequels could they take this as is and yeah leave it? <clears throat> hard because there's a lot of like pre-context it's based a lot on what's happened and what's going to happen but I think that I, I kind of just try and skim over all of that just to try and because if you made it purely for fans, I think you'd then isolate obviously all of the people who were just like my parents are watching it and, and they don't remember exactly what happened. And some of the stuff my dad will say on it is like, what what are you on about? You know? Like that, that's you know. But he's they're not huge fans. So they kind of just I think the obviously the Inquisitor characters, apart from Riva, who's the um the main one who's kind of a bit off the rails and yeah, you know, it's, it's, is is that, is that is that is that the Right, yeah, so that's the character with the dreadlocks. What's the name of
0: the the, yeah. the, the,
1: what, the pale fellow with the Bluetooth device ingrained into his cranium? <laughs> Is he... well, there's the, the Grand Inquisitors, the one with the red lines down his face. Yeah, that's and the one, the other one about. Yeah, the other one with that big hat thing. They're, yeah, it like looks like if Kratos really got into marketing. <laughs> yeah, those those two are in Rebels a lot, uh, and they're in the games as well. So if you played Fallen. Okay. See, I'll accept then that that is a well-established character. Exactly. You get some of that, but they kind of dip in, dip out. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought it's been great. The inconsistencies for me, I'd agree on the kind of, you know, she. No, I think, yeah, the 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 Sif kind of go into some of those old tropes. The chase scene of Leia uh, is. Oh yeah, with the forest. There's some some stupid bits in there. Jump over the branch,
0: dude! Come on now.
1: Yeah, come on, come on, come on, but that's like that'll be just something we meme and laugh about for the rest of the time. Um, Leia, that actress is fantastic, phenomenal. Yeah, um great. Kind of stolen it, and I love, I love you, McGregor, and I love his portrayal of Obi Wan, and I love that you kind of now got all stages of him. You know, you've got him in the first film; he's 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 young and finding himself. Second film, third film, he kind of brings that bouncy comic relief, even in the the sort of face of despair right up until the last the, the third film and then uh in this broken man broken mm-hmm. broken man he can do all of it and it, it's you know it's him leading up to being the kind of that sort of alec it's alec Guinness, i think uh version of yeah. obi One in a new hope then so enjoyed well. enjoyed the rediscovering how to use the force angle like
0: almost like because there's a an audience expectation that he's just going to be terrific at it, and he just completely subverts that by reminding us that you know similar to like a brain
1: with a muscle that isn't developed. You know, if you don't yeah, continue man. to so you, I liked, I liked I mean, that. That was cool. The so episode three, it's it's intense. It's it's like it had me like kind of feeling quite anxious because there's kind of this impending. You know, obviously at the end of episode two, you 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 see um uh, Anakin in the and Darth Vader in the in the back to tank, so you know he's going to come into it. Um So yeah, you know the they they do that well, and the whole episode is is is, is tense for that reason. Um, okay, some, well that that fills me um, with excitement. That fills me with excitement because yeah, there's, there's some good stuff and, and 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 there's a couple of moments that I thought I literally just you know thought you and you know there's there's kind of that dialogue between Leia and and. Uh, Kobe and that's awesome yeah I, I like that they
0: immediately sort of settled into this um like sort of comedic
1: duo already there was already like yeah sort of i mean but there's some real cool. heartfelt moments in there as well like some some real bits that that caught me and i was like yes this is this is awesome and it's an episode that's like a lot of it is just them. it's cool it's, it's really good episode three is awesome got a lot of time got a lot of time for that does it then just bringing back to
0: the originals, Leia doesn't seem to have any like working knowledge of Ben Kenobi in the opening. Obviously it, their interactions are non-existent. She, he just dies in front of her essentially. Um, but she doesn't like recognize him or anything. Um, where does that, that sit with you? Is that like, a, is that something that I'm overthinking a little bit?
1: I mean, I don't think she, so she wouldn't see him again. Obviously the whole, are you talking about in New Hope?
0: Yeah, so like obviously they've got no interaction, but like there's no well, indication in the, a new hope that they actually knew each other. But obviously there's clearly a whole. Tapestry. Well, obviously
1: the hologram that he receives is saying, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope." Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I'm gonna put that to one side then. Oh, forget <laughs> about, about <it>. that. <sighs> Don't worry about it, mate. Oh, his EOP name is Rue. Her name is Rue. She is an EOP. Oh. It's, it's a lovely name. I listened to, name. so before, uh, and we will go on to music momentarily, but you've got me mm. talking now. Uh, mm. I actually listened to the audiobook of, um, there's, there's the Kenobi uh, audiobook, which you can read, obviously, as a reader, if you like. Um, yeah, sure. Which I didn't I didn't feel th- like that's now been made legends instead of canon, so they're not including it within the official Star Wars universe, but it used to be before they kind of did that whole they canonized everything and loads of literature got thrown out and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you know, the star Wars universe hasn't really repaired since because the fan base is quite split about all the things that they thought were real and they held close. And then, yeah, it's all of that. Anyway, I don't delve into that much. I'm not your first grade kind of nerd. Is it, is it being well received by the star Wars fandom? It looks so, I mean, that, that book was regarded as so, and it, it, it's all around um, Kenobi and, him being Ben and him being a hermit and him being uh, kind of being near this sort of um, oasis. That's like a, you know, a, a town on the outskirts and Tatooine mm. fighting off the Tuscan Lord and, and uh, like warlord, doing some other bits and bobs here and there, but it doesn't do much to kind of like really bring up the scale of it all. Although there's kind of the meditation and him trying to get in touch with Qui-Gon and all those cool, you know, things that we all know of so yeah it, that, that didn't do it as well as this is doing it for me this is obviously going for the grand scale of, of things we'll see cool
0: cool well I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it and we'll touch base in a few episodes time as, as it starts to reach a Love conclusion it. and things like that um I mean going from Star Wars to Linkin Park is a wet dream of a podcast for you isn't it really but
1: um <laughs> Also, for anyone listening, this isn't a film reviews podcast, but is that an idea at this point? Oh yeah, and... ab- ab- absolutely, absolutely. Got no, got no issue with that whatsoever.
0: If it's worth discussing, it's gonna, it's gonna go on here. Um, so mm. obviously, um, we're gonna be reviewing um, this Grey Day's record, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hand over to you. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna like do the whole spiel, the introduction, none of that, um, because you are the uh, noise representative for Linkin Park and all Linkin Park related things. Um, you are the park czar, um, <laughs> and oh, if any, yeah, if anything, if anything comes out related to Chester or anything like that, you're the first point of call. You're the first point of authority. Some would say, and if yeah, yeah wow, very proud of myself. Thank you. Um, but I'm I'm obviously a massive Linky Park fan, no idea to the extent of you. Um, so I'm just going to hand over to so Talk to you about what this album is. If you're a casual listener, because I was talking to a lot of Linkin Park fans about this over the last couple of weeks, and there's not really a lot of like, oh, I didn't realise that was sort of coming out. There's kind of like there's not like a big um parade sort of centered around this. So there might be Linkin Park fans listening to this, not actually aware that this content is about to about to come out and, and, and sort of be available. So why don't you tell me or tell us about what it is, when it's coming out, the general context, the story leading up to this release? Because it's an interesting timeline here as well.
1: It is, and it's. I mean, the the fascination with with Grey Days lies in the fact that it, it, in its kind of creation, uh, the way it's been done, the way it's been conceived, the way that it's been interpreted. I mean, it's somewhat relevant talking about prequels and sequels because the best way to probably sum this up is a is a remastered version of the prequel of Chester Bennington. You know, it, it and it's. If you listen to it on the surface level, I think you could stumble across this through listening to Grey Days on on kind of your hit radio rock station and just be like, this is a a, a really good, solid, you know, hard rock band. And then when you start to understand the context for it, it, it becomes so much more. I think your diehard Chester Bennington and Linkin Park fans would have some idea. But you're right. There's not like a kind of, you know, Linkin Park aren't bigging this up because it doesn't mm-hmm. have any of the members of Linkin Park. Um, so for context, for those that don't know, Grey Days were around in the 90s. I think ish between sort of 93 and 98. They were a grunge band um, that made some waves, you know, in, in and around California, I believe. Um, and that's pretty much where Chester cut his teeth. That's kind of where he started to hone his style. But also, it's the time where he kind of—you can definitely hear it in this—where he got out of his system, the kind of the tropes that he loved, of the idols that he idolized. You know, kind of right. And you—you you could, you know you can hear he's a big fan of of you know Alice in Chains and, and your, your Soundgarden yes. and you know you can you can hear Chester playing around with that on this and we'll get to that in a minute in terms of this album it's the second album it's called the Phoenix i mean it's it is a beautiful tribute you know and it's the it's the second album that the band have released since Chester's passing um, the first being called "Amends," uh, and and the phoenix is adorned with his kind of. You've seen the cover of it, Sam? Yes, it's uh, it's, it's greyed out, and it's got Chester Benton, that classic picture of Chester Benton's arms with his mm-hmm. uh, wrist tattoos of the flames in colour. Um, yeah, and and it's it's really interesting. I watched so when "Amends" was released, track it on back to I think 2017. Um, Chester had actually reached out to his, his old bandmates, um, Sean Dowdle being the, the kind of the, uh, I think, drummer and his friend from when they kind of were doing this back in the day. And he reached out to him and they were going to do a, a one-off show because they were the two that owned club tattoo together. So like Chester had, like, he, he used to post lots of stuff about kind of, you know, being involved in that. And that's what Sean had gone on to do when Gray Day sort of, broke off and, and Chester obviously went on to become the absolute legend uh, and make history that he did. Um, so they had kind of talked about doing an album, taking some of their earlier works and revamping them, stuff like that. And then unfortunately he passed. So it never happened. So these vocal takes, when are they from exactly? These vocal takes are from the 90s.
0: Wow. So they're not, they're, they were talking about this, but the actual takes themselves are taken from that initial period. They haven't been touched up. They're been polished and sort of remastered yeah, and sure. things like that. But the performances that, that were given themselves are before the 21st century before hybrid theory.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. So these are all of the raw takes from, so what actually happened. And I, I love this. It was on a documentary for Amends when the, when the first album came out um, and one of the members of the band had stumbled across the, 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 the raw vocal takes sitting in their attic um, and had just said, oh, let's, 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 let's check them out. Let's see what, and they basically then took them and said, wow, he sounds so good. Even here, let's take that, put it in and just build the song around it. So they're all reimagined versions of old songs that you'd be able to find on YouTube, but you won't be able to find them on streaming platforms. Die hard, really old school fans would have them, you know, would have a CD maybe, but you wouldn't you know it would be it's it's real deep cut stuff so it's really fascinating to see the way that they kind of then built around it you know and it it obviously as anyone that has been in a studio or has any idea around a recording process would know that's entirely the backwards way of doing it yes and 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 you know they didn't have the flexibility or the way to say let's redo that take let's redo that thing but then also with chester bennington you don't really need to (laughs) so you know it, they kind of, but obviously that then makes it quite a rigid process there's only so much they can do so yeah amends was kind of created and it, it was quite they sort of it was it was far more polished I think than the Phoenix is um, and they kind of the way that they talk about it they say that you know amends was very much them kind of putting out a tribute to Chester and this is this is sort of that was coming up from a place of hurt where they were all you know it was far rawer uh, that was two years ago um, fast forward to now this is kind of the closing chapter of it really because there's only so much that they can really do mm. um obviously um yeah so this is there's no you know they, they haven't toured it or anything like that It has just been two albums that they've kind of poured time and love into to try and craft something that's like you know the ultimate tribute to chester really
0: yeah i think as well when you listen to it, it absolutely does that and i think one of the one of the things that immediately jump out, um, because it's perfectly chosen that Saturation is the opener, because um, that lovely little clip at the start of him just speaking, and then it kicks in with that vocal line. Yeah, (laughs) it's really nice, really touching. But then that shows the song, the vocal line, that immediately has that iconic Chester sort of swooping vocal, that he he just explores his range from the top to the bottom, um, the bottom of the top. And um, all the way, all the way down. Nice. Um, He he brings it all the way up and he does that, that, that wonderful elongated note that he, he sort of made part and past of his career Mm. Um, with, with obviously that sort of classic rock backdrop. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, really appropriate song. I actually think um, all things considered, this is a band that obviously we're not, um, we're not, phenomenal in terms of like the fame and notoriety or anything like that. There were really a stepping stone between sort of Chester being as a solo artist and Chester being in, in Lincoln park. But what is immediately noticeable is just how talented he was from the beginning. Like it, it, it you, you, I don't, I didn't expect to hear it and listen to him and think, Oh, he was terrible until 1998. And then he was amazing. I didn't expect that. But what did surprise me is how, polished and how professional ready he already sounded even like with the the the, the sort of lighter to experimentation which clearly figuring out what he likes and what he wants to do but when he settles on just being himself like he's already had that that tone that sound that that really unique collection of sort of raw and smooth vocals it really is quite an extraordinary less uh, quite an extraordinary listen um this must, have been, this must have been quite an experience for you.
1: Yeah, it is. And I, I, I was interested when I was listening to it to kind of, after giving that sort of initial sort of context for, you know, the, the conception of it and the feeling of it. I mean, I, my personal opinion is I think it's really special and, and they've you can see that it's been done in the right way. You know, I think lots of bands have tried to pay tribute or continue on uh without members that may have passed or may have left and it doesn't always land you know I, I instantly think back to like static x when they tried to kind of continue touring with a new vocalist with that mask do you remember this and they had that mask mm-hmm. of um i can't remember the vocalist name but it also has an x in it i'm sure i'm not a static x fan but anyway they kind of tried to recreate that with new vocalist same hair but he was wearing like a sort of Kind of like a zombified mask of him. That's odd, and it got it caused a lot of controversy because it was it was quite a poor take. It was kind of landed on, you know, like get what you're trying to do. It's like a resurrected version of him, but also meh. It doesn't quite land right with me. So it's, I mean, I guess the point, point I'm making it line, is
0: really, fine line isn't there fine line something that feels like money grabbing karaoke and something that feels like a genuine tribute. Like yeah, and Queen for yeah, another example, yeah, like. Plus, random inserted vocalists doesn't sit well. But at the same time, you can kind of understand the need to to move to move forward. And it's uh, uh, it, is, it is difficult. But I think when this is coupled with the the way that Linkin Park have approached it in general since Chester's passing, they've not re- dipped their toes back in. It's quite clear they're figuring out the manner in which that they do that. And I do foresee a Linkin Park album with just a, a rotating cast of vocalists. That's what I think will eventually happen, um, and it will just be like, it will be like an event. And where this had to be done in a certain way, um, yeah, because yeah. you know there's, there's, there's obviously sensitivity attached to the event itself, but there's a sensitivity with with the fans and and, and in this genre, like metal, is an unforgiving place if you don't <laughs> if you don't do things quite quite to folks' taste. So this was a difficult line to. To sort of draw here and I do think they do a really good job of that
1: yeah I, I think so as well I think that there's no doubt that it's being done you know they're, they're not attaching tours to it they're not replacing him so to speak it's very much a and 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 you know there's some you know they, they asked for his wife's permission for this they, they had his son feature on the track with him, on a track with him in the first album. You know, there's, there's some real, mm. they, they took what they had, they recognized it was special and they've made it special. And, and it is very much to be a tribute to a celebration of, rather than, you know, reinvigorating and trying to kind of keep the career going. It's not, you know, you can feel that that's not what this is about.
0: Yeah, there's no. There's, I don't think there's an intent of making Gray Day as a long-term option. I mean, the appeal is Chester, obviously. Yeah, right. Like, and um, there's a fi- like you said eloquently, there's a finite amount of Chester that isn't um, that isn't already out there. Um, I can imagine though that this opens up the question as a, a a Linkin Park fan, as you are, you've got to be thinking if they found this amount of stuff for pre LP,
1: what's Mike Shinoda sitting on? Oh, I mean, don't forget that you know, for Link, Lincoln Park have always been rich with content. Mm. You know, they they've in and around their albums, they've released like ten underground albums. You know, they they've they've done a huge amount. Some of which has obviously made its way on the special edition of Hybrid Theory that came out. You know, they they've I've got a couple of underground albums because I was a member. Of course, I was of the Lincoln Park underground for like two years they would do an anniversary every so often and they would just do entire merch lines, entire kind of, um, and they would bring out like just demos of stuff. And some of it you'd hear, you know, the early cut-ins of hybrid theory, some of it you'd hear just different ideas that they had, you know, they, they were prolific in nature. Um, So, and that, and that's just the stuff they decided, Oh, well that can kind of make, you know, that can make it. I bet they are sitting on a tremendous... And I'm sure Mike's talked about it in, in interviews before, the amount that he's sitting on, that he has. You know, if they had the time and wanted to put out something, and even the demos would be absolutely up. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. The moment of
0: career that's, that spans that amount of time, that time that bands like that spend in the studio, uh, just, stuff just piles up and piles up and piles up, and there's obviously a, a great demand for it. Um, but it just, it just sort of highlights the sort of the depth depth of material that could be sort of explored for for curiosity purposes or any other reason but i kind of respect lp's decision at the moment to sort of hold back uh, and see and see where land lies in the next couple of years and things like that um just as a just as a as a gut instinct what are the highlights for you on this record because there's a couple for me i think there's some really good songs on here
1: yeah, it's, it's funny. It, the, like I said about the first album, it was very polished and it was very, you know, sort of, uh, it was in one, it was in a, you know, I loved it. Of course I did because anything for me, you know, it's like additional content for me. It's like, or do you want it or don't you want it? Or yes, I absolutely fucking uh, want it. You know, it's yeah, like the I, argument. I never it's like the argument you that, that you have with Chris all the time. You know, it's yes. like, would you would you want more Metallica albums if they're shit? And he's like, yeah. no. And I'm sitting there when I'm listening to those episodes thinking, well, oh, bell end. No, just do them, because if you get even a pop kit of something good in there, the old exactly. stuff's still there, but you've Absolutely. got all of this new stuff. It's like additional, you know, it's like downloadable content on a game or whatever. You don't have to play it, you know? So, like, this to me is just two additional albums of hearing more Chester in a different way, in a different light. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, I I, I like it. This album feels far more higgledy-piggledy, so to uh, so to speak. It's a bit, you know, some songs come in and they're wildly out there in comparison to others but yeah i think it is it's a really cool listen
0: i agree there's 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 some tunes on here that are like answer the question like what if chester benton joins rise against in 2002 yeah right <laughs> like do you know what i mean like starting to fly and holding you and drag like that could be those could be like post-punk tunes in the early 21st century and quite comfortably and then, obviously, like you were talking, um, there's like holding you in here nearby and whole, where um, there are elements where he does get his kind of like he gets very he gets very yeah, definitely. But also kind of like remember stained and creed, yeah, and those and those kind of bands like post grunge, but like not really. Um, these kind of like modern rock bands, the modern heavy bands that have that kind of southern kind of feel i remember you being like a kind of kind of into Creed a little bit um yeah i went dabbled, a dabble phase yeah dabbled here down here <laughs> yeah. yeah and then as a result so did i just by osmosis just had to
1: um <laughs> i didn't give you much choice
0: <laughs> you No, <know>, sat opposite <laughs> for like two years so what other choice did i have because all that i just fucking drain myself in a pillow or something like that you just had to just get along <laughs> um but yeah so you can you can absolutely hear him sort of adjusting that, which I think is terrific. Yeah, so when we talk about this Grey Day song, we've sort of skirted around it now, but it's really good to sort of get into some of the songs. to asked you for the highlights earlier, but it's really time to dive in now. So talk us through, you talked about some of the, some of the real positive moments of this album, some of the ones that really stand out for you. So where do you sit with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it. The, I mean, the start couldn't be better, could it? it you know, no. it Absolutely. Um, the I am King quote comes from him, like, saying a quote, like, I think he says, I'm the Lizard King, I am yeah. the King, or something like that. And it, it's um, the, the the takeaway being the I am the King part um, goes into that classic Chester vocal. Um, but also, I don't know, I feel a real sense. It actually hit me when when I listened to that, because I haven't listened to the singles too much, and this is one of them. Uh, this and starting to fly and I don't know I felt, I felt like a real a real rawness and a real sense of like pain in his voice which is really weird because when you stop and you think about it like I feel like all of these songs take on an entirely new like sort of you know thing of their own since his passing it's really weird yeah. because obviously he recorded all of this it was all recorded with a certain sort of feel and kind of He was very much before he hit the heights that he hit at that point. And now they've reframed it. They've rephrased it. They've, you know, reimagined it. And here it is. And like, I can hear pain in his voice that probably just wasn't there. But like your interpretation of it becomes a completely different thing. And I'd heard some of these songs from, you know, just being an Uber fan of Chester Bennington, even before he passed. So I knew what some of them looked like. What what some of them were recorded like, and what the compositions of them like, they sound like they're recorded on an absolute, you know, spud. So don't you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest going back. Stick with these albums, and you're fine. I'm sure they sounded great in the day, back in '90s. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's weird, and that that carried with me through the rest of the album. I, I don't know. I had a sense of some 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 of the lines that came out, and and some of the ways things were delivered and that, that classic. But I guess I do that with Linkin Park songs anyway. Um, it's weird. It's weird knowing that a huge amount of this album was created with the remaining members that did this post-Chester, but that Chester's part in it, which is the most prominent part, is even before Linkin Park. I, f- I feel like I spent the whole album just trying to get my head around that. I'm not there yet. <laughs> and I've listened through it, obviously, like four or five times.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree. It's 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 a weird juxtaposition of super sort of timelines. Um, but I, I agree. That it's I think it's natural for the audience to look through everything um, with the kaleidoscope of his death. Um, to, mm-hmm. to be frank, um, because that is the way that that's the way that it's done now, and 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 that is really that is really the way that we really microanalyze a lot of a lot of artists. Um, you know, like anyone, Winehouse's music seems much more tragic now that you know how it ends.
1: Yeah, um, true. Sort of like, yeah, sort of like sort
0: of like a dramatic irony. Same with um, same with Kurt Cobain. Um, like you listen yeah, to some cool. of the some of the some of the lighter songs on on In Utero, as horrible as they are, um, the actual some of the lyrical content and things like that, you can clearly hear these are these are the these are the writings of a man with serious issues. And mm. rather than because sometimes there's a a sense with an artist that they imitate um, or exaggerate emotions and feelings for the product of an artistic release. Um, whereas looking back, that isn't the case when you actually see the sort of end product of that. It's sort of, you know, um, Chester wasn't...
1: Bittersweet, isn't it? You know?
0: Chester wasn't faking about being upset yeah. or emotional or lonely or isolated or feeling down or anything like that. In his music is a tapestry to mental health. If anything else, um, yeah, and that 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 still comes across here, even in the early century. You're right. Wait. I mean, it's hard to, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing as well, and in the sense that who's to say that in 1996 he was going through what he was going through in 2017? But
1: right, and that's what makes it. Unique could just be so a young
0: guy, it. like he's talking. Some of these like some of these songs. Sorry, he's just talking about like being in a relationship and wanting to give you everything, and like worrying about stuff mm. that does a normal human emotions and human experiences that's not to say that hey oh maybe maybe the girl that he's with in 1996 should start feeling guilty now like i'm not i'm not too sure that that's 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 really a fair thing to say either how do you differentiate between the way that this discourse where it's like you listen back and you think all right this is an indicator of the man that he is or b this is just a photograph in time like a sonic photograph in time and it should just be treated as such
1: I guess, I guess the u- unique position that this is in is that you're taking the pre and the post because everything outside of his vocals has been done now. So the, you know, the composition of it, some of the impact of it where they put certain emphasis on, on certain parts is kind of probably what tinges that sadness and, and kind of takes earlier messages and, and, and makes them into something else. So that's where, it, you know, that's where I don't necessarily have those thoughts on, you know, because you, you, you're absolutely right for of, other music is snapshots in time. Whereas this is a composition of, you know, something historical and something present. So it puts it in quite a unique position. But yeah, I mean, it's um, that's what makes it kind of special. I mean, Sam, starting to fly is probably one of the, the better songs that Shine Down never recorded. Right. <laughs> Oh,
0: definitely. That's a great shout. I was um, I was thinking this could be like a top three Queens of the Stone Age tune as well. Like sort of old, early Foo Fighters. Yeah, it's really really good. the the central The central night, the central chorus. Um, because that like you get because because of Chester's voice, is so clear. It feels like there's like four choruses a song, because like verses sound like choruses. With Chester Bennington. That's the that's the thing about how great his voice is and, and, and how easy he can sort of find these melodies and things like that. It's hard to differentiate. What's the bit that I'm supposed to remember? Because all feels it all feels like a standout type of thing. But I agree, starting to fly is really, really good. Um he's he starts to to edge towards that creed staying thing, which I actually think he does quite well at.
1: Um he does, yeah. And and it's it's funny because we're used to Chester sitting at the top of his range, right? He's always up here, he's always yeah. soaring. Whereas actually it was really interesting to just hear him at like the bottom end of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like the lows and the kind of the yells, you know?
0: <laughs> absolutely. And and also like, even though um, that the musical landscape, that they're actually writing tunes for, he's, he's kind of verging on a little bit of the more aggressive, heavier metal vocals that we came to hear a little bit in the first two Linkin Park albums. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, that blurred line between metalcore screaming and sort of great rock music melody that he's always been able to sort of put his stand on the two trains, so to speak, sort of running parallel to each other. He's always been as good as anybody has ever been able to be good at that. Maybe since like Axel Rose perhaps, but even, even then probably Chester's the harshest. He just can go to places that Rose can't, but um, you even see, you even see moments of that. It's, it's clear by here nearby, for example, that he has just got a phenomenal voice, and he was he was. There's a gift here. Um, there's like some elongated, lovely, lovely moments in this, and in holding you, and there's just so many. Oh, there's so many moments where it's like ever, ever clear that he's just a unique holding, voice. Um,
1: Holding You was a, was a personal favourite for me. It's actually featuring Dave Navarro from... Oh, no Addiction. That solo, that's all Dave. It oh. now makes a lot more sense. And I listened to it the first time around, then went back and was like, why, why aren't they putting more solos on songs? Because that song goes fucking off. Like, if they're going to recompose things, like, that feels like the way to do it. And then saw that it was featuring uh, Dave Navarro and was like, aha, uh-huh. it makes a lot of sense now. But that that song, is it feels... It, it, it hits hard I actually felt that then when you go on from that here nearby whole drag it, it kind of like leveled out it, it I've, I was like okay I've had these three really special songs at the start I really loved them I'm just gonna get a kind of grungy sort of remainder of an album now I'm okay with that I'll take that but it it it, it wasn't by even by the end of drag it wasn't kind of hitting anything groundbreak anything kind of that just sort of made me go oh yeah that's cool until believe me uh which i felt was like a it felt like a post-hardcore song it it was like it actually and it made a lot more sense after because i was like man this sounds like something that like you could hear holding absence or you know someone of that sort of like boston manor singing on or creating or crafting and I was like wow this feels completely out of left field to the rest of it it's featuring um Richard Patrick of Filter who I've heard of but I I just decided to I was like this because he's so it's Chester in the verses and it's it's Richard Patrick I think in the choruses mainly because I listened I, I did my research and went back through to the older version of the song and the chorus isn't there I think they've crafted the chorus. And then I checked out Filter because I was like, this dude, this like he, he can kind of match that. And in a lot of Filters sort of biggest songs, he can, he can do a bit of Chester, you know. It's like it feels like a really good pick. He isn't Chester. But I was like listening to them, some of the stuff on there. I was like, wow, like they they sound really alike on this. But that song was like, I thought this is unlike anything else on the on the album it was weird
0: yeah there's, there's there's a surprising amount of variety actually and there's the sort of a real versatility there which you think considering the, the the context of the record is actually quite surprising where they've sort of pulled some of these songs and some of these tracks from presumably from a garage like, of riffs somewhere in the mid 90s
1: yeah too right but they kind of made the composition around it Could you go on to anything anything that sounds like it's like an early 2000s good charlotte song
0: yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There's 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 like some real teenage angst and rom com sort of vibes in there, really.
1: But like the way that they did it, like it just it's like a it, it's it's a it's a punk rock song, and the the like the way that they've done it. So yeah, weird. it's it's I it's, it's to get a, my it's head a, around it.
0: Yeah, it's it's a cool listen. It's, it's it, the whole the yeah. whole the whole thing is actually a lovely a lovely tribute to him, and he sort of got this sort of um lovely feel to it where it sort of explores. All of these sort of avenues that relate to his voice, but he's the he's the constant throughout. It's it's really rewarding. It's really enjoyable. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to sort of you know it's not of like a, a lost masterpiece. I'm not saying that, but it, it's 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 a it's a really good record. And if you're a fan of Chester, it's a it's a phenomenal listen. Now, once again, you're the noise nominated voice of the Linkin Park faithful. So, if, how would you how would you summarize this? How would you blurb this for the prospective LP fan? about to dive in
1: I mean if you are an LP fan listening to this you have to check it out I mean you know even if you there's some small takeaway or you know those times where you like you fall in love with something we were talking about Star Wars and you fall down the rabbit hole of kind of going through theories and things like that and you stumble upon stuff you didn't even know (laughs) was in existence you know I actually like the idea of this being something that you could stumble upon and be like there's this whole prequel chapter to Chester Bennington that I didn't even know existed, you know, uh, and, and that's really, really cool. But then Chester did so many different things. And, you know, you look at Dead by Sunrise, his other band that he did and did, what, two albums with? You know, he fronted Stone Temple Pilots for a while. So, like, they, if, if you idolise him enough and, you, and you, you sort of then start to dig back through some of what he's done... It's so cool that there's so much to find there. If you are already that sort of fan, you're listening to this and you think, I just, I, I, I need to hear what this sounds like, which is kind of the place that I was coming from. It is, it's surprisingly good. It's not just like listening to it and going, oh, wow, that, that wasn't what I expected it to be. A lot of hard work, a lot of effort and a lot of love and time and consideration was poured into it and you can hear it. You know, you, you, you can hear that they kind of really uh, agonized over every small detail and brought out the best of it that they could. It feels special. It, it, it does feel really special um, if you're a big enough fan, but it's also good enough that you could show it to your grandma and she'd love it too. So, you know, I think there's something to take away from it, whoever you are. And if you're just like into your kind of standard, uh, you know, hard rock, and fancy a new album to check out anyway, and aren't even a Chester Bennington fan. There's something in it for you too. So I, it feels like there's this. It's it's not insulting in any way. It's not extreme in any way. It's not particularly groundbreaking in any way. But you know, for for fans, it'll be a special one uh, and something as a as a beautiful add-on. Um, whereas for everyone else, it'll just be really fucking
0: good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um. That's as lovely as a final message and we can, we can leave it on for, for today. Um, before I do the, the social media stuff, Jack, you got anything to plug
1: noise wise? I don't even know in the timeline where this is coming out and I'm, I'm cutting all the episodes. We've got loads of cool shit coming out. I think by this point, you've already heard the power roundup, the cage fight interview, Sam's got coming out. Uh, I think at this point we'll have bleed from within interview that you've done. Sam coming out. Um, we've, got we're gonna we're putting in dates for talking about conjurer and uh i've unfortunately slash fortunately been sent the oceans A slumber album building myself up for that one um because that's gonna be really fucking interesting uh we've also got ithaca um which is gonna be fucking sick to talk about yeah we've got some really cool shit on the horizon noise is doing bits and yeah we 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 talked recently didn't we we want to try and do a few more bits with the podcast so you're going to be hearing some some cool stuff coming out uh, in and around kind of the main body of me and sam talking about albums that we love and, and music that we like uh, and now and now lb-1 as well um, so in and around that there's going to be some cool interviews and some extra bits coming out yeah it's just finding the time <laughs> right absolutely absolutely that that combined with like new noise and all
0: the all the stuff that goes on the website and everything else is just a whole load of content um that's, that's coming out um really really yeah. exciting for us moving forward
1: yeah it's cool i mean we want to we want to try and bring in as much uh or, or link things together as much as we can so i mean if if you know and we're quite open uh, about that so i mean if if anyone has any thoughts ideas or things that they'd like to hear us talking about get in touch because like we're all about that um you know we we like to try and have conversations about things that we might not necessarily think about or bring in elements to it that we might not have thought about ourselves or just something that you'd like to hear or get involved with so yeah we're all for it open forum yeah absolutely open invitation
0: come in and share with us about something that'd be great um so yeah that 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 brings the podcast to a conclusion I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, please make sure you check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts on Anchor. Everything and everything is on there. Um, check us out on Twitter at The Noise Podcast. Uh, check us out on the mainline Twitter is at Noise UK. That's also the name of our YouTube channel where the majority of our stuff appears as well, Videography. Please keep eyes peeled for the all the remaining power stuff, including video summaries and everything else. We've got Cage Fight, Bleed From Within um, coming up. Uh, that's already done. That's ready to go. Uh, varying album releases and, and records to reviewed going all the way through the summer. I'm at download June 11th for the day, probably going to um, have a discussion with Jack about that, how that goes. Um, just terrified about the prospects of listening to Bruce Dickinson's voice uh, in 2022. Uh, we'll feedback on how that goes. Um, and yeah, um, that, that, that closes it. Thanks to everybody for, for listening and we'll see you next time.